Good morning. Today's reading is from James chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Listen to God's word. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is the word of God for the people of God. Won't you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, your word, which is truth and power in life, has the potential to do a great work in us. Help us to cooperate with that now. That we might have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a spirit willing to do whatever you ask us to do in response to your word this day. We're open, we're hungry, we're ready. Do a great work in us, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So i got a question for you this morning. What comes to your mind when you hear the word compromise? Compromise. Usually it means kind of meeting somebody in the middle, right? What, what does it mean to compromise with somebody? You're of one set of beliefs or, or one idea, and they're of some other set of beliefs or some other idea or preference, and, and you've got to try to figure out how to get along. I mean, imagine for a second a husband and wife going out on date night, and they're going to a movie, but they can't decide what kind of movie they want to see. I mean, she has her idea. She wants to go see a romantic comedy where there's a little bit of laughter, a little bit of tears, and in the end, it ends with a beautiful kiss and a warm embrace. He, on the other hand, wants to go see an action movie where there's lots of things blowing up and there's car chases and the bad guys are really, really bad and the good guys are really, really good. And in the end, the good guys beat the bad guys and there's this sense that all is right with the world, right? How are they going to decide what to do? Well, they have to compromise. Hopefully, the wife will realize that an action movie is always a better choice than a romantic comedy. But if that doesn't happen, they got to work things out. And there's a lot of different ways they can compromise. But the compromise they make is made out of love and respect for each other and recognizing that these differences have to be negotiated. That's one kind of compromise. But you know, there's another type of compromise that isn't out of love. The type of compromise that is not good. The compromise that happens when we lower our standards, when we betray our deepest convictions, when we give into pressure and dishonor the Lord and what we know He asks of us. That is not an act of love. That is an act of cowardice. And sometimes compromise can lead to unintended painful consequences in our lives. I uh, remember a commercial I saw a few years ago put out by the Audi Automotive Company about the dangers of compromise. It, it involved a, a couple at the pet store trying to pick out a dog. The, the guy wanted to buy a Chihuahua, and the lady wanted to buy a Doberman. Very different dogs, and they couldn't decide, so the pet store person suggested that they they compromise, that they breed the two dogs together and get a Doberwawa. <laughs> Let, let's watch, see what happens. 
I think I like this little guy. I love this one. You know, you could always compromise and breed them together. Dobrawawa. Know what I mean? I've never seen a breed like this. More of I. I don't know what to make of it, frankly. It's unsettling. It's disturbing to look at it directly. How did this dog get past regions? That's what I want to know. I don't like the fact that it's looking this way. That's it. Save yourselves! Sometimes compromise can be a dangerous thing. So welcome back to our series, Building a Faith That Works. And in this series, we are looking at the New Testament epistle or letter of James. And if you've been here in these weeks leading up to Easter, you know that James was the half-brother of Jesus and that James became a leader in the early church, really the senior pastor of the first church of Jerusalem and as a devout Christian leader, he began writing letters to Jewish Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire, encouraging them to put their faith into action. That's the overall theme of this letter of James, that faith must be lived out in the everyday circumstances and relationships of our life. To hear the word and not take action on it is to deceive ourselves. It's not real faith at all. Belief must be translated into behavior. So today as we wrap up, This series, we conclude our study of the Epistle of James, acknowledging up front there's a lot more we could study and there's a lot more to learn, but Easter's coming and so we're going to move on. But as we wrap up our study today, we have one more very important message of James we want to consider and apply to our lives. And here's the message we're going to look at today. Don't compromise on what is really important. Don't compromise on what's really important. If you have your Bible, we're going to encourage you to bring it with you. Let's turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 4 today. And if you uh, want to take notes, we encourage you to do that. By the way, let me just say this. There's, there's two types of listening. There's what we call passive listening, where you kind of just sit back and you try to pay attention and stay focused as best you can. And maybe every now and then if... Uh, Speaker tells a funny story or, or a gripping illustration that catches your imagination. You'll, you'll stay focused, but a lot of times you start to drift. That's passive listening. The other type of listening is called active listening. Where in the church you have a sincere belief that the Holy Spirit of God wants to speak a word directly to you. And you are eager to hear that and reflect upon it and apply it to your life. So let's, uh, let's have active listening this morning as we look at God's word in James chapter 4, verse 4. Remember, James is writing to Jewish Christians who are living in a secular Roman world. And the Roman culture of that day had many different gods, but the fundamental approach of that culture was uh, do what makes you feel good because it makes you feel good. And the, and the gods and goddesses of the Roman pantheon were there to try to uh, give you whatever it is you wanted. It was a form, Remember last week we talked about hedonism, the relentless pursuit of personal pleasure? That was the the keystone of the the Roman culture at this point. And it was one of the reasons the Roman culture eventually was destroyed. It decayed from the inside out. And in this culture, the Christians had a much different approach, a much different value system. And so uh, because this Roman culture didn't embrace the Christian culture, there was was pressure there. There was a struggle there. Because the Roman culture was all about pursuing pleasure over purity. Money over morality. 
selfishness ahead of saintliness, comfort in front of character. Remind you of any culture you know today? See, some of those Christians were trying to live out their faith in a in a culture, in a society, in a world that didn't embrace it. And they felt that tension. And, and some of them, while they wanted to honor the Lord, also wanted to fit in with the culture around them. You know how it is. High school students, you know how important it is to feel like you fit in. College students, you know how important it is to feel like you fit in. Adults, let's not kid ourselves. We know how we like to fit in. And that's what the early Christians were dealing with in that culture. And there was an expression, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? So go ahead and adopt those values and live that life. James wants them to know there's a different reality at work here. He wants the early Christians to understand when you're in Rome, you're just going to have to accept the fact that you'll you'll be different because you have a different set of values, a different uh, set of what's important in life and a different calling on your life. But some of these early Christians were beginning to make unhealthy compromises. And it was affecting their faith and it was affecting their churches. And James reminds them, when you choose to compromise with the world, when you try to resolve that tension, that pressure that naturally comes from being a different kind of person in a strange culture, when you try to resolve that tension, you're not, you're, you're not resolving it really. You're selling out to the culture. You're not finding a middle way. You're betraying the one who is the way. Notice what he says in verse 4. He used very strong language here. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's very strong language. Let's let's consider it for a second. First, he, he calls them adulterous people. He's not really talking about sexual infidelity between a man and a woman here. Uh, that's how we typically think of adultery, a, a married couple where one is unfaithful to the spouse. Uh, but he's really calling on the language of the Old Testament prophets who often accused God's people uh, of being adulterous, meaning that instead of staying true and faithful to God, they began to pursue other gods and other things, and God was no longer that important to them, no longer uh, the, the primary purpose of their life of t- to please and serve the Lord their God and to be His people. And so what James is saying here is, is, just as marital infidelity is a sign of unfaithfulness, so too it's possible to have spiritual infidelity, spiritual adultery. To, to let your relationship with God drift to where you, you go after other things instead of God's. And it says that God gets jealous about that. People often have difficulty with this idea of a jealous God because they, they think of some immature, insecure boyfriend or girlfriend they had in the past who was so controlling and every time they, you know, they picked up the phone, who are you talking to? And every time they, you know, they, they were somewhere, where are you? What are you doing? And, and they think that God is like that. He's just so concerned all the time that he's just kind of hovering over me, worried that I'm going to do something. That's not what it means by the jealousy of God. What it means is this. Imagine a spouse who discovers that their spouse has cheated on them sexually. And the, the brokenheartedness of that betrayal. And the sense of pain and anguish that something beautiful has now become something broken. That's what this is talking about when it's talking about how God is jealous for us. He has put His Holy Spirit on us. He's placed a calling on our life. He's asking us to be faithful to Him in all circumstances. And when we fail, it it causes a brokenness. Then notice what James says. He, He says this. He says, friendship with the world makes us enemies to God. 
That, that's strong. What, what does that mean, friendship with the world? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we can't have friends in this world. It doesn't mean your only friends can be Christians. and It doesn't mean that you can't appreciate the beauty of creation. It doesn't mean you have to retreat to a cave or a monastery somewhere and have no contact with the outside world. No, what it means is that you can't take your cues for what's important and valuable and, and good in your life from what the world says. You've got to take it from what God says. I had a youth pastor years ago who was so wise and helpful in this area. He used to say this. He said, Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world, right? We have to live in this world. We have to make our way in this world because God wants us to be lights. He wants us to be ambassadors. He wants us to be his witnesses. But in the world does not mean of the world. It means we live in this world with a set of values, with a philosophy of life, with a, with a faith that is different from the world around us, the secular world around us. There's an old African proverb that goes like this. A man who tries to walk down two paths will eventually split his pants. Right? The truth is, friends, we can't live in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world and accept both values because they'll take us in different directions. That was that tension. That was that pressure that the early Christians felt. Friendship with the world that James is talking about here has something very specific. It, it means to adopt the value system of the secular world, to be comfortable and compatible with the standards and attitudes of the non-Christian world around us, to put pursuit of pleasures and treasures of the flesh above God's calling on our life, to live in conformity with the secular culture so people don't see any difference between you and how you live their life and your, the non-Christians and how they live their lives. A couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at how James says this, this world we live in is actually a battleground. A battleground between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, he says, Satan is the God of this world. And he's not saying that Satan created the earth and Satan, he's saying that in the world system, the philosophy that encourages us to spend all of our time pursuing Power, pleasure, prosperity, and popularity. That, that system that drives us to, to sacrifice the very best things that God wants for us for the, the trinkets and treasures we think are so important sometimes. That system. Satan is the God of that system and he wants to lure us away from the ways of God into his kingdom of darkness. And you know how he lures us away? One little compromise at a time. That's why James is warning us here. He's saying, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Christians are called to live a countercultural life. And that will become more and more evident and obvious, friends, as this modern-day American culture in which we live continues to drift further and further away from the ways of God. And we should feel the pressure. We should feel the tension. We should be a little uncomfortable. Because the life God calls us to is different than the life that the world encourages us to go. Friendship with the world makes us enemies with God. That doesn't mean that God rejects us. It means the more and more we give in to the pressure to live as the world calls us to live, the less and less we'll have a desire or a love for the things of God. It's not that God rejects us because He's angry with us. It's because we start to neglect the things of God because they no longer look good to us. The compromise with the world destroys the work of God in us. 
So friendship with the world usually begins in our minds, in our thoughts. When my wife and I do marriage conferences, uh, we do warn couples on uh, sexual infidelity. And one of the things we always say is, adultery begins in the head before it ever gets to the bed. And that's true. What you allow yourself to think about and dwell upon eventually manifests itself in your behavior. That's why the Bible has so much to say about what we allow ourselves to dwell upon. Hey, we can't always control the thoughts that pop into our mind. But we can always control whether or not we dwell upon them. Or whether we reject them and kick them out. Martin Luther used to put it this way. He says, you can't always stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Right? This is why, friends, this is why our thought life really matters. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. We're called to think God's thoughts after Him. This is why James says here, we're not to be double-minded. Double-minded means I actually convince myself I can live however I want in the world and still call myself a Christian and believe that God is pleased with the direction of my life. We start to rationalize. We start to compromise. You know what it means to rationalize, don't you? It means to tell yourself rational lies. This is why it's so important for us to stay connected to the Word of God, to be rooted in it, to let let God's truth and wisdom pour over us. This is why it's so important to memorize Scripture and study Scripture. This is why we've been giving you Scripture memory verses each week in this series. Because it's so important to dwell upon, to meditate upon, to think upon God's wisdom and God's way. This is why it's important to be connected to a church so we can affirm this together. This is why we must worship consistently. Because as we come into God's presence to worship Him, He reminds us of what's really important and why. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is right and true, think on, dwell on, meditate upon these things. So ask yourself the question today. Are there places in my life where I'm beginning to be spiritually unfaithful to God? It's not that we have to build a protective bubble around ourselves, right? It's not not that we have to kind of withdraw and hide because we can't take the pressure of the world. No, It's, it's because unless we are built up strong in the Lord, we won't last at all out there in the world. We'll just cave and we'll we'll give in to the pressure right away. So ask yourself, am I compromising my standards? Am I rationalizing my behaviors? Am I ignoring the inner conviction of the Holy Spirit? Am I standing firm against temptation? Ken Wales is an award-winning TV and film producer and director. He's also a devout Christian. And you can imagine, it's not always easy to be a Christian in Hollywood. But uh, he talks about his life. Uh, He's... uh, He's been involved in a lot of really good uh, productions, but early in his career, he wanted to be an actor. And uh, he finally got his first big break in his acting career. In the 50s, he got an opportunity to play a role in a movie alongside Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Shirley MacLaine. He had a small part, but these were the big stars, and he got to be in the same movie with them. He was excited about it. It was, a, it was his big break, but... But after he signed the contract with MGM and, and began uh, uh, reading over the screenplay and, and preparing to do this role, they changed the role a little bit. They did some edits, and now the character he played was much different than the character he had agreed to play. Now this character had a more sinister side. In fact, there was a scene in which this particular character he was supposed to play uh, convinced a young girl to get drunk so he could take advantage of her sexually. 
And Ken didn't feel comfortable about that, being a Christian. It was a steamy scene, even for the 50s. And uh, he was concerned. But he thought to himself, this is my big break. This is my big opportunity. But he said, but you know what? This is, it's, it's just entertainment. It doesn't really matter. This is an open door for me. I get, to, I get to be with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. They could open doors for me in the future. And maybe if I become rich and famous, I'll be able to have a bigger platform to serve the Lord in the future. But in his heart, he knew he would be making a compromise that wasn't healthy for him and wasn't honoring to his Lord. And so finally, he made the decision and he went to see director Vincenti Minnelli. And he explained that he couldn't do this role, asked if there was a way that he could be in a different movie instead of this movie. And Minnelli blew up at him. He said, you will play this role as it's scripted or you will be in violation of your contract with MGM and I'll make sure you never work in this town again. Ken Wales walked out of the office having rejected the role that he thought would give him a whole new trajectory on his career. But you know what? God is good. And God began to open new doors for him. Uh, He started a career as a Christian speaker to uh, Christian youth groups. And he would go all over the country to speak to youth conventions. And about a year after this had happened to him, he was in Denver, Colorado at a large youth event speaking to over 600 teenagers about how to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and not compromise in a secular culture. And after the the afternoon session, they took a break for dinner and the kids were going to have the evening free. And uh, as Ken walked out the door of the convention center, he looked across the street. There was a movie theater there. Guess what movie was playing? The very movie where he had turned down the role. It was called Some Came Running, starring Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Shirley MacLaine. And Ken thought for a moment about that movie and the role he'd been asked to play. And he wondered about the trajectory of his life. Had he agreed to make that compromise? And he thought about young people who may go to a movie like that and see him encouraging them to to live that kind of lifestyle. And he realized, he realized how important the little decisions we make and how important it is for us to stay true to what's really valuable in life. Ken Wills went on to have a very distinguished career. But he was very selective about the projects he chose to work on. Yeah, he could have made more money. He could have had a bigger name. But he did okay. He was a producer of a movie called East of Eden, Revenge of the Pink Panther. And one of my favorites, Amazing Grace, which is the story of William Wilberforce and how he rescued Great Britain from the scourge of slavery. You know, Ken had an amazing life, still does. But there came a defining moment in his career where he had to decide what's really going to be important. And maybe he could have made a different choice and had plenty of rewards in this life, but he made a different choice that not only gave him rewards in this life, but has assured him that his eternal rewards will be even greater. Some of you here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you can look back over your life and you can identify defining moments in your life where you had to say no to a compromise Because you desired to please God more than pursue the treasures and pleasures of the secular culture. Perhaps it was a romantic relationship that you knew wasn't God's best for you and you had to break it off. Perhaps it was a job where you were asked to compromise your integrity. Perhaps it was a habit that gave you pleasure but you know could become an addiction. Perhaps it's the way you handle money and you said no to buying one more thing because, you know, buying that one more thing would 
cause you to be less generous and put your family in financial jeopardy. If you choose to follow Jesus, you're going to have those kinds of moments. And James would say, remember what's at stake. Don't compromise and don't rationalize. Some of you here know what I'm talking about because you can look back over your life and like me, you can identify times you didn't make the right decision. That under the pressure of the moment, you chose the values of the secular worldly culture instead of the values of God. And when you did, you lost something precious and beautiful. Something inside you died just a little bit. Maybe you got what you wanted, but you realized it didn't satisfy you nearly as much as you thought it would. Here's the good news for you and me. We can't go back and undo what's been done, but we can, starting today, make better choices going forward. Amen? That's the grace of God, and it's so good. That's That's why James says, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. We can begin to find the strength to say no, so we can say yes to something greater. Some of you here today, you know what I'm talking about because there's that battle going on inside you right now. Some of you know there's a life that God invites you to live, but it means saying no to some things you really want. It's easy to be deceived because you don't see it as rejecting God and embracing the kingdom of darkness. You don't see it that way. You see it as trying to enjoy the best of both worlds. And you say to yourself, hey, it's no big deal. Everybody lives this way. I don't want to be Amish. All things in moderation. Enough! Those are rational lies made from a heart that wants to compromise. And you're not going down the middle way. You are forsaking the one who is the way. That's what James tells us. Think about Jesus on Palm Sunday, riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. As people wave their palm branches saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Our Savior has arrived. They praise Jesus on Sunday. But when Jesus didn't meet their expectations, they rejected him on Thursday. They mocked and condemned him on Friday, handed him over to be crucified. See, that's how the world system treated Jesus. And that's how the world system treats the followers of Jesus. They'll cheer you for a while. But when you start to live differently, they'll mock and they'll condemn. That's why Jesus said, if the world hated me, they'll hate you too. Just ask James. Short time after he wrote these words, James was executed for being a Christian. Put to death. Because he named the name of Jesus and he would not compromise in a world that wanted him to compromise. But you know what? In death there was victory. Because see, that, that's what Easter's all about next week. Death is not the end. In God's kingdom, death is not defeat. Death is Victory, death is a new beginning. And Jesus promised you and me, whatever sacrifices we have to die to in this life will be rewarded a hundred times over in the life yet to come. As the missionary Jim Elliott once put it so poignantly, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Don't compromise. You ever heard of the fable of the bat let's wrap up with this the, the fable of the bat great story maybe you've heard it before there was a time when there was a war between the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and this war consisted of a whole series of battles and sometimes the beasts would win but sometimes the bird would birds would win well the bat was a unique animal among all the other animals because the bat could be either a beast or a bird 
And so the bat, instead of choosing sides, just hung back to watch. And when the beasts would win a battle, then the bat would go down there with the beast, stick out his chest and strut around and say, I'm a beast, I'm a beast, beasts are the best. And then when the birds would win a battle, the bat would fly around with the birds. I'm a bird, I'm a bird, the birds are the best. Victory to the birds. Well, after a while, the beasts and the birds realized what the bat was doing. And the bat had to flee for its life. And now the bat has to live in a cave and can only come out at night. You know, friends, there's a war going on. There's a battlefield. And we're on it. Between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And you've got to choose a side. There is no compromise. And the day is coming when you and I will stand before Almighty God to give an account for the choices we've made and why we've made them. And we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful friend, servant, follower, disciple. You stayed true even when it was difficult and you did not compromise. You refused to conform to the standards of this world. Enter the kingdom prepared for you. And in that moment, I can't, I can't help but wonder if maybe James will be standing by not too far with a big smile on his face. Saying, see, I told you, it would be worth it. Aren't you glad you chose not to compromise? Because he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Let's put our faith into practice.